This is IA Forward, your playbook for success as an independent insurance agent. Here to help you knock it out of the ballpark are your hosts, Shane Tatum and Tanya Lead. Shane, we've been talking about being in this hard market and what that means and price increases and how difficult that is for our agents out there and the difficult conversations that our agents are having with customers, with potential customers, with current customers. So how do we talk value in a time of inflation and the price of everything is going up? How do we talk value in a time when price is so prevalent? We have to change the conversation. It's everywhere. We are hit with it every time we fill up our gas tank, every time we go to the grocery store. Everyone in society in this day and time is so price sensitive that it is the thing that is top of mind. So it's very, very natural that folks are going to pay a little closer attention. And I don't mean this to sound bad, but there have been plenty of years in our industry with our agencies where we would never hear from a customer. They would just rock along, maybe very, very small rate increases, if any rate increases at all. And you kind of understand that when that's happening, there's a day coming. There's something coming where something's going to happen. And that's where we are. That's where we find ourselves. And I keep coming back to this mindset of we have to find a way to change the conversation. And so I think it's communication, I think, is at the core piece of that. How we communicate, how we translate the insurance lingo into common sense terms, things that make sense to people like, hey, do you know how many sensors are in that bumper that you have? That is something that I don't think the non-insurance, non-claims individual is thinking about. All they're thinking about is, is that bread is high, milk is high, meat is high, everything's high. My pay hasn't increased at that rate. Now my insurance is going up. Why is my insurance going up? That's the natural response. Well, why wouldn't your insurance go up? That's the thing that's a reality because if everything else is going up, the loss cost is going up, the cost of construction is going up, then insurance is going to go up. But don't say that to your customers. Don't say that to your customers. I'm just, just put I'm, that out I'm, there. I'm speaking to our people here and I'm saying, you know, the reality of it is, is that yes, this is what's happening, but we have to find a way to translate that to layman's terms, non-insurance speak. As the person on the podcast that doesn't have this three-decade insurance background, or I guess I should say two and a half, right? Yeah, don't age me that much. Okay, I mean, so give two, me and a little half decades, right. two and a half decades. That feels better. <laughs> oh, y'all should have seen the look he gave me. I still don't understand insurance speak, right? I mean, I understand a little bit. I get so excited when I figure out what y'all are talking about. But ultimately, I still don't get it all. And I think that somehow there's this perception of simplification that came from 15 minutes can say be 15%. And it is so price focused that unless you're an insurance person, you just don't see anything else. We've trained the audience, the big advertisers, to their advantage, the direct channel. We're going to commoditize this thing to the point that that allows us to do it online. That allows us to do it over the phone easily. And our brand is going to train the consumer base to think that 
this is just really simple stuff and this should be easy and even the insure tech plays have figured out that they needed agent in their distribution channel and they had to figure this out and they had to figure it out the hard way but i think you're right i think that we have allowed that to creep in but we haven't combated that we haven't had an alternative to that discussion. And so that won out, that created this environment of price, price, price. Uh, And so that's back to the translation need. And we don't always do this really well. We talk to our customer in acronyms. And why do we do that? I've heard agents explain things to a customer like your BIPD limit is X. And I'm like, why would you ever say that? They don't have a clue what you're yeah, talking about. Yeah, I'm like, I don't, I don't know what that is. Yeah, so. your bodily injury and property damage. So okay. it's the description of the actual coverage, whereas your liability limit, your liability amount. Sometimes we get in our little bubble, and this is maybe a little rant of mine, is that we get into a little bubble and we forget that our customer doesn't live in our bubble. We can't talk to them that way. We have to be better. We have to do it differently. Well, you know, and Geico, I think, really started this simplification. But if you look at the marketing of the big boys, you know, we've got the Limu Emu. We've got Jake from State Farm. And we've got Flo with Progressive. And it just seems like somehow we have snowballed this idea that it's easy. Or it's so easy a caveman can do it. There yeah, we go. Going there, back to Geico. There you go. And how do we, as independent agents change that from price to value, especially in a day and time where people don't really necessarily on the surface seem to want to have conversations. They want to do it via text. They want to do it in an email. They don't want to talk to people, right? Or we think they don't want to talk to us. So how, if we're limited in our communication, how do we explain the value of what we do. The long cycle here in that type of view is I'm not going to be afraid to hire Gen Z. When Gen Z comes into my world, I'm not going to be afraid to hire them. Number one, that's the long view. That doesn't fix things tomorrow, but that fixes some long-term things because I really optimistic about Gen Z's ability to translate this and dive in and we can tell them, right? So if you think about the boomer retirement and what's happening and what's going on and the age of the agency ownership and so forth, that we have this sort of thing that should happen over the next five to 10 years where things are going to change. The dynamic is going to change in agencies. You are going to see this influx of Gen Z. I'm excited about that because I think we have this sort of turning point to be able to educate and train the future workers, the future sales of the agency business to be able to do better at this. That said, in the short run, as these individuals that were attracted to this brand, that were attracted to this simplification process, as they move into what I call grown-up insurance needs, you know, they buy the house, they have kids, they get into a different stage of life. We have to make ourselves better and available in that market cycle. I'm not sure that we're going to get the new college graduate who is renting their first apartment and they're launching away from the parents. They're breaking out of the parents' budget into their own world. I'm not sure we're going to get that prospect 
unless we have the parents because of this market cycle of advertising and branding that has gone on. And look, let's face it, their initial concern at 23 years of age is price. That's a fact, but they're not thinking about that yet. And so we have to market ourselves in a way, I believe, that positions us to be there when they need grown-up insurance. And I think the independent agency channel is best poised for that. I'm going to argue with you a little bit on that. I think one of the biggest differences in the millennials that you're talking about that are there is that they're not brand loyal, where their parents were. Our parents were brand loyal. Our parents' parents were brand loyal. And the thing that millennials and then in turn, I think our Gen Zs are different is they don't have the same concept of brand loyalty. That means they must be referral minded. They must be, well, what is my friend doing? Well, what is this person I Absolutely. trust? Absolutely. Okay. So then if that becomes the case then we have to create dynamic referral systems. If we can just get one referral source that is the one that yells through the megaphone to everyone else in their circle, go here, then that's where our marketing may need to shift. If what you're saying is accurate, and I have no argument against it, that they're less brand loyal. Well, if they're less brand loyal, they have to be something else by default. So if they're more referral-minded or review, man, that's got to be a big one, right? Review-minded, then we need to be building our review platform better. We need to be doing things that put us in that positive light. Something that's also very important to our millennials is the desire to make a difference and be the difference. And so I think that it becomes so much more important to businesses to be seen as champions of a cause or champions of the environment or being involved in charitable philanthropic organizations that are important. I really see that as the future of marketing toward our millennials. What that means is, is that their cause and your calls may or may not align. And if it aligns with that particular segment, there's your people. If it doesn't align with their particular cause, then maybe you're after the wrong people. That's the other thing that happens here. You go, okay, I'm really passionate about this cause. Well, that particular cause may not be a certain market or a certain person that you're after that may not entice them. That may not be their passion. And so you can't just be this chaser of calls. The authenticity here is, is you have to pick your calls and you have to stick with that, not because it's going to generate opportunity for you, but because that's what's really passionate. And that's what I fear. I fear that people chase causes because they're trying to chase business. And I think that's the wrong approach. I think people see through it. I think the authenticity, it becomes a sham, and now you're dead in the marketplace. So as the father of Gen Z daughters, how do you see us capturing their business? Number one, we've got to capture some of them and the hiring process in the next wave of the workforce. That's one thing. So if you're a Gen Z and you want to start an agency, where are your people? Call. Please call. Don't what? call us. Email us. Text, text us. I'm sorry. You know. I'm sorry. Send us. Or you can call us if you want to. Do whatever. But, you know. Yeah. So whatever you do, do it. You know, we're here to... <laughs> We're here to respond. I've really just been fascinated as I've watched 
my oldest daughter's group of friends from college, and I've watched them as they've launched into adulthood, so to speak, in jobs and careers and places to live. And I've just been really amazed at the difference maybe that they have compared to what I experienced. And just watching some other generations, they are very, very social, not necessarily social media. Yes, that's a given, but just together. They will go on trips in groups of 20 and they will share space and they will lower their travel cost and they do not care. They will go to some of the most incredible vacation places on a young 20-something budget, and they will do this affordably. I witnessed my daughter and her friends travel from country to country in Europe, and I'm finally like, I get enough of it that I'm finally like, what are you doing? How are you paying for this? And they're like, oh, Dad, we went to Paris for $300. And I'm like, you did what? How did you do that? Between the hostel, between the cheap flights because they were willing to leave at 11 o'clock at night and because they stayed in this place together because they shared meals. Their social dynamic to me is so different than anything I've personally experienced. It may be normal to a lot of the world, but it's not normal to me. We have to understand that this generation sees value in a different way. They want to go experience Europe. They want to go experience this country or that place, but they're not going to spend a bunch of money to do that. They are cost conscious. I think we have to find these ways to understand that they view the world through a little bit different lens. Generation X listeners, people that are our age, mm-hmm. that are looking at reinventing themselves and thinking about starting an agency, or as some people would say going through our midlife crisis, right? What would you tell a Gen X that is thinking about doing this and how to bring a Gen Z on board? It's okay to be uncomfortable. Be okay or get used to uncomfortable because it's going to be different for you. It's going to be a little uncomfortable. One of the things that I reluctantly embraced was being a a guest in my daughter's TikTok dance. And that was extremely uncomfortable, number one, because I can't dance. Number two, because being on video and making myself look ridiculous was not something that I really wanted to be comfortable about. Authenticity here is important to that generation. They are very quick to sniff out fakeness. They don't like fakeness. They don't appreciate it. They're not a fake it till you make it kind of group in my view. And I think you need to understand that your work environment, the things that you invest in, the technology that you invest in, the social media that you choose to market yourself in, all of these things are important to this Gen Z group as you think about hiring them. The thing that I want to add to that, talking about our millennials and talking about our Gen Zs, don't throw them all in the group as the Tide Pod generation. And I hear this so much and I'm just like, no, you don't understand. I mean, yes, there were some people that had the challenge with the Tide Pods, but you really can't judge Gen X from some of the stupid things that you saw on TV either. Yeah, they're stupid everywhere, right? Every generation has stupid and it's okay, but that doesn't make every generation stupid. The greatest generation didn't have 
100% greatness, right? There were pieces and there was a lot of the greatest generation that we admire and that we are so thankful for and all of that. But there was some of that generation that was not great. I.e. how they treated women in the workplace. Exactly. And so, you know, when we think back and we look at it, we go, uh, we can't just lump everyone into the same category. We can't do that. And I think that's back to your marketing of the value and price when it comes to generational aspects here is you can't just say that millennial group, forget about it. Number one, you you can't forget an entire generation. You can't dismiss an entire generation in business because of some ridiculous Tide Pod thing that happened. That's not the whole generation. It's really important not to just have this big swath of opinion about the entire group because of the mistakes of a few. Yeah, one of the most popularly Googled questions is how to market to millennials. Which is really interesting because that means our generation, (laughs) for the most part, is Googling that. Like we are Googling how to market to millennials. Why are we looking for that? What are we doing, right? Why don't we just talk to some? Why don't we just talk to some folks that we know and try to understand them? That's the real funny thing here. We go from this generation to generation thing and we talk about the different generations as aliens. We don't ever interact with them for some reason. I I mean, we do if we would just slow down and pay attention, but that's the new way of the world is I'll just Google it and I'll read some article that somebody wrote and that's how I'll market to millennials. That doesn't make sense, but that's what we're doing. And what is so interesting is that there are millennials that don't consider themselves millennials because of the perspective of the millennial generation. We were actually having dinner over at a friend's house and she's dating a guy that's a little bit younger and he said something and I said, well, you just think that because you're a millennial. And he goes, well, I'm not a millennial. And I said, oh yes, you are. And he's like, no, no, I'm not. And I said, look it up. And when he looked it up and it had his birth year in there and he was like, oh my gosh, I'm a millennial. I'm a millennial. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, you are. But it was so funny because he was in denial that he was a millennial because of a perception, perspective. I'm going to pick on your people here for a minute. I think that this whole thing was created by the marketers and the marketing world so that we could just mass produce stuff. Did we even know these generational things 50 years ago? Did we even think about this? Not necessarily. Like we were just concerned about how to get our message on TV. That was the main thing 50, 60 years ago. I think it's a little bit comical that there's a lot of the population, maybe a lot of your consumer base, your prospect base, they don't even know what generation they're in. They don't know if they're Gen Z. They don't know if they're millennials or they think millennial means something other than age when really all it is is your age brain. Uh, Xers. And I think the Xers are the best. We're the Oregon Trail generation. We are. We're the Oregon Trail. That's awesome. We get this opportunity to kind of see both ends of this spectrum. We're uniquely positioned. That's really why I get super optimistic about the independent agency system, about owning an insurance agency, about being a small business owner, is we're kind of positioned. If we will be okay with uncomfortable, if we will understand that there is a difference between millennial and Gen Z, that's probably step one, and those generations are much different than the boomer generation ahead of us, we understand that we can uniquely be positioned 
to be extremely successful in this whole value proposition, this idea that we can try to unwind from the commoditization of insurance. We have an agent down in Austin, Texas, that I think is doing a fantastic job with this. Techstar Integra, Brian Besh, has actually brought in his daughter and son-in-law who are Gen Z and teaching them everything he knows about the business, but also listening to them and combining all of the ideas. I think it is a perfect perpetuation plan for an agency owner that he happens to be in a great spot where he has this newest entrant into the workforce. He has so much knowledge. I mean, so much knowledge to talk about things that you should do, things that you shouldn't do. And my experience is that Gen Z listens. That's my experience. That's probably the experience he has right now is that his daughter and his son-in-law, they are listening. They are sponges. They're not a generation that is arrogantly dismissive. They listen. They want to know. No, Gen X, that's us. That's us. That's us. us. We, We did that. Right. And I think that's a huge realization is that they're not us. With you saying that, I started thinking about Mark Valdez in Dallas. His son, Kyle, who is a millennial, has been brought into the business and is the same way. Kyle has fantastic ideas that he has brought to his dad's agency when it comes to calls marketing and serving the community and not doing things the way they've always been done. But he's learned from his dad and they work so well together. So we've got an agency with millennials perpetuation. We've got an agency with this Gen Z perpetuation. So it's really fascinating to see those two agencies in that way. I would challenge my generation, the Generation X group. I would challenge the younger boomers to embrace this. That's the thing that I admire the most about them is they are embracing the differences and they're being okay with allowing the creativity of that next generation coming behind them to kind of put their stamp on things, to to create their own footprint. That's really, really important as current agency owners is that we be open to that. That's really just important as we perpetuate our business. So I'm not quite sure why we start out with topics because we started out with price versus value and now we're on this generational topic thing. Where do we want to go next? I have no idea how we get from point A to point B, by the way. I don't know how I make it to the office every day at this point. (laughs) So the original topic, value over price. I think we have to find ways to change the conversation. I think that we have to be able to pivot things because it's such a sensitive nature. The pricing war, the inflationary measures that we're dealing with right now, it's so sensitive. We have to be empathetic towards that and understand that. But we also have to find ways to pivot that conversation to, yeah, but this is where you're at. This is what's coming because we're in this phase where different carriers are at different stages and price sensitivity is not everybody's at the same place. You're just in this really crazy time period where that's going on. And one of the things that I'm doing is that I am moving to that younger generation discussion. I'm learning from them. I'm using them to help me understand how to be more value conversational around this topic. I'm going to leave us with this quote from Yogi Berra and 
And it sounds a bit tongue-in-cheek the way it's said, but if you think about it, it really applies to what we've talked about today with our generational differences. You can observe a lot just by watching. Attitude's a choice. Make a great one. Bye, y'all. Ready to get the ball rolling with your independent agency? Learn more at IntegraAgent.com. That's IntegraAgent.com. Thank you for joining us on IA Forward. Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now or learn more at IAForward.com.